And so as always, before we submerge into the depths of our imperishable inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke 24:44. Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so that we ask the participants of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth, what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. This is also written in Colossians and other places of Scripture. Practically, the Word of God is overfilled with these uh, with these words. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the calling of every child of God that is born from the seed of the word of truth. Not evangelism or some kind of good work, because however much good work you may do, even if you give your body as a sacrifice, you give all your possessions away, you practice spiritual gifts, you speak in tongues, but if you don't do this, you will lose your salvation and your name will be blotted out of the book of life because the main purpose that is before us and this is God's goal this is the greatest will of God he wants to be enthroned in our bodies our body is his temple he created Adam for this reason and so here right now our body is not in, in accordance to this temple it is still uh, mortal and corrupted and how can God live in such a body for God to be able to live in such a body it is necessary to cast off put off the old man the former way of life the old man is the former way of life this character take it off of yourself and be renewed by the spirit of your mind and only after that Using your renewed mind, you then begin the process of clothing yourself into your new person. And so in this commanding order, we see the true calling of every child of God that follows Christ. And if you don't fulfill this requirement, then according to scripture, this is resisting Christ and then members this person to the category of haters of God. And so he says, many antichrists came from, and they came from us. They were not of us because they, if they were of us, they would have remained. But because they came out from us, in this way they have manifested that they are foreign to us. They are not our own. They are haters of Christ. To fulfill this given commandment or this commanding order, we need to 
to utilize three destiny affecting, commanding, and fundamental acts. We need to do them. These are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is our decision, specifically our decision regarding these three destiny affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. These uh, or more specifically, we, we achieve our salvation. Otherwise, our names will be forever blotted out of the book of life. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two demands and stopped to study the third demand. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the power of our already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. We stopped to study the condition contained in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that He alone has, reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High, so that we can be delivered from our enemies living in our body. And this essence of this condition consists that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, when we are becoming free of our enemies, because all of them are bound to the old person. The old man is a programmable system that contains all of our enemies, the unclean thoughts, desires, and he continually produces them, however much you battle with them. And so when you destroy the manufacturer, the one producing this, uh, these sins, these thoughts, and these desires, the scriptures say this is the most difficult time. At this time, and when during our hardship working to do these things, we can, as David, call upon the Most High God and confess the faith of our heart, saying who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus. We've noted that this given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. In other words, there is Agog, the king of the Amalekites, whom Saul had spared. And so in our body, we have three kings. In one kingdom, there are three kings. And each king wants the covering over himself. He wants to be a ruler. He wants to be the only ruler. He wants to control this body. And in order to control this body, there is a true battle going on for it, and the field of this battle is our heart. And so we, by the means of confessing the faith of our heart, proclaiming who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. At this time, God receives the proper foundation He needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies, so He can shame in our body the governing within its sin, which is the old person by the power of his redemption and with noise forever thrust him out into hell. Until this does not happen or hasn't happened, we are called to count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim that non-existent stronghold of life within our body as existent. And God will account this 
to us as righteousness. And, of course, this is not easy when there are three kings battling with one another and we are only on the side of one of the kings, the side of King David, the beloved of God, that is our new person. And we begin to battle with these other two kings. One, we need to completely destroy and eliminate, and the other needs to be submerged into the death of Jesus Christ, because we can't destroy our mind entirely. This king needs to be submerged into the death of Jesus Christ so that we can reobtain it in a new form, just as David received him in a new form when he, when the son of Saul was sitting with him at the table. Uh, and so the son of Jonathan when he sat and looked at David in fascination in surprise he knew that David was very merciful and God or David did not destroy the house of Saul because Saul per, uh, persecuted him and we see that this great this is a great example of what we need to do with our mind that is trying to be God, trying to be Saul. I don't agree with this, I don't understand things like this, and so forth. I have my own mind, and so, of course, he has his own mind. He is anointed by God, and we say, Lord, what have you done? How is it that you anoint immediately two kings in one kingdom? They will do what, both of these kings, but God knew what he's doing. This was an example for us. But they needed to live this, of course, physically, not in a symbolic form. And so that God can receive the proper grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies, we need to carry on with this battle. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example. This is one of the examples of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to kings, priests, and prophets. And so when we say kings, these are kings that rule over their body. These are kings and priests to God. These are not just any king but a king that rules over his body. The second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hands of all of his enemies, and us, of course, together with David, our new person. Third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. We stop to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. There are actually 50 as a whole, but these eight names that God, that David uh, confessed, they have or they contain all of the all of the 50, and they are all united. They r- reveal themselves in one the other. They come one from the other. They support the nature of one the other, the truthful nature of one the other. And if this is not happening, then this is not a name of God. And the scriptures say that when we get to know and confess the power that is contained in our heart, or in this case was the heart of David, in the eight names of God, this allowed David and allows us to love 
and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that we can be saved from our enemies and God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the right foundation he needed to use the power contained in the capabilities that were in his names to battle against the enemies of David and our enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1-4. You see what a wonderful prayer and how it is different from the prayers of men. Go into a different church and listen to how people pray. Lord, 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 Lord. They don't know what to say and they just repeat the same thing. Lord, show, give, uh, have mercy. Lord, give me something. The Lord, forgive me. And they continue to repeat the same things. Do, does this Lord that you keep praying to have no names? The Lord is master, but any master has a name and he has 50 names. Can you not find one, at least a few names to state who he is for you and what he's done for you, who you are for him. He has taught his disciples. When you pray, he said, teach us to pray. They told, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, first you need to turn to God as your father. And to turn to God as a father, you need to prove that you are his child. Our father, our heavenly father, hallowed be your name that's how we need to turn to him and so these eight names I will list them for us Lord you are my strength Lord you are my rock Lord you are my fortress Lord you are my deliverer Lord you are my rock in whom I take refuge Lord you are my shield from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. We already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus and the power of four names of God. These are strength, rock, fortress, and deliver. And have been studying our inherited lot contained in the name of God, rock, rock of Israel. The given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High identifies the inheritance that is contained in the covenant that is made between God and man. Because of its significance, the given nature of prayer is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, <clears throat> ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then his relation, uh, his or this revelation that is purpose for worshiping God will not benefit this person. Therefore, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God, living rock, as with the previous names of God, most high, is not able to be found in any existing dictionary of the world. And so, living rock, this is a living edge of a cliff, living stone or stone defense, living covering or shadow of a cliff. 
living rock bearing victory over the enemy, an elephant tusk, elephant ivory, from which we are required to build within our spirit a throne for the Holy Spirit so that he can come and sit down and he will become the stronghold of life in our body. Living rock representing eternal government. Living rock containing the promise of imperishable food. And living rock serving as comfort of peace. <clears throat> that no one can take away and nothing can interrupt it. Not death, not hell, not losses, not illnesses, or anything else can inter interrupt this peace. In the name of God Rock, we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our profits that we receive from the invested silver of our salvation that we have invested so that we can profit. This profit consists of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ and is a component of the promise of imperishable food. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. What characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What purpose, as it relates to achieving our salvation, is our inherited lot called to fulfill in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What price needs to be paid to provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel? And by what results do we determine that God truly is our Rock? as it relates to the achieving of our calling, which our calling is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, which will be a guarantee that we will be raptured and meet the Lord in the air. People who do not have that promise within their heart and have not grown it are not able to be raptured and meet the Lord upon the clouds for this promise to be grown in yourself into the stronghold of life it is necessary as we know to bear Methuselah who drives away death he's the fruit of righteousness that drives away death and the stronghold of life will then be erected we have already studied the essence of the first two questions and stopped to study question three, which is linked to the condition that when fulfilled gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. We already studied the first seven of those components of the price, providing God with the right to be our rock, and have now been studying the eighth component of the price, which consists in our decision, our ability to hide from the Philistines in the cleft of the rock Edom. In Hebrew, cleft of the rock Edom means durable and long-lasting. Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that I will cease. So he attacked him, attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock Edom. Judges 15, 7, 8. We took the central verse, but in order to understand the meaning of it, the symbol of the cleft of the rock, we have been studying the temple of our body, the power of the name of God, Rock of Israel, where we can hide from the uncircumcised Philistines, which are our unclean thoughts and corrupt desires rising against our relationship with God. To understand the essence of the price, providing God the foundation He needs to demonstrate Himself within our body, in the power of His name, Rock, we began studying the events that took place with Samson from the time he was conceived in the womb of his mother to the day of his death with all of the characters within the temple of our body as well as 
within our church. The symbol of Samson within the temple of our body is our new person that is born from the seed. This is our, our sacred person that is born from the seed of the word of truth, whose name contains our purpose to be a light. Considering that the name Samson in Hebrew means son or son-like, which indicates the fact that his name bore the meaning that pertains to our birth from the seed of the word of truth, as well as to our purpose to be a light of life. You are a light of the world, and so may your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, the name Samson contains the quality and purpose of our sacred person, that who, that who our soul and our body, for our soul or our body, we should say, is the sun that carries the light of life as well as for all those around us that we encounter. That means that for those who are in need of light, not, any, not everyone is in need of light. Those that are in need of light, they shall receive it from you because Amol is not in need of light. He doesn't need it. Light is for the one who has eyes and can see this light and who understand its me- understands its meaning. <clears throat> and so the very same purpose that the created by God's Son that is called to fulfill for the earth does also our sacred person for our soul and for our earthly body that is created by God from the dust of the earth as well as for all those around us. The symbol of the uncircumcised Philistines within the temple of our body is the genetic program of the fallen cherubim that has been passed on to us by the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh in the format of uncircumcised thoughts and corrupt desires of the flesh that are supported by the power of the governing of governing sin who is our old person who is a programmable system for the ancient serpent that we have received as a genetic Uh, as something genetic that we receive from our fathers. The symbol of the Philistines within our church are the category of unclean and lawless men, including men of the flesh, that are enemies of all that comes from the Spirit of God and consequently are enemies of warriors in prayer. When Israel cried out to God to be delivered from the Philistines, then God brought forth the judge Samson for Israel who was called by God to save them from the power of the Philistines. And so, you need light, you need a person, an individual who has the sun. And this light is what our new person has upon the condition that he has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ. Until our new person has not yet been grown into into the full measure of growth in Christ, he is not able to be a light. He... He has it in himself, but you need to wait until he becomes this light. And so which indicates the fact that until a person comes to his senses that he is a slave of his unclean thoughts and desires that live within his body and cries out to God so that he can be delivered from the slavery, God will not have the proper foundation to bring them a person that would be the lips of God so he can deliver them from the dependence of the Philistines. Furthermore, when Samson became of proper age, the spirit began to work in Samson in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol, as it is written. He began to be led by the Holy Spirit when he became of proper age. The work of the Holy Spirit between Zorah and Eshtol 
is being led by the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Dan between Zora and Eshtal. He didn't begin to work in him when he was born, but when the infant had grown, he had come to proper age, then the Holy Spirit began to work then was he able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so when our Samson, as our new person, is grown into full measure of growth in Christ, he will receive the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit so he can fulfill his calling, consisting of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ so he can confirm his sonhood in God or his origin in God. <clears throat> and so confirm who we are to him in Jesus Christ. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. The name of Samson's father, Manoah, in Hebrew means a place of rest, the place that God found, where God found his rest. When we look at Manoah within the temple of our body, we are studying here the two formats of wisdom within our heart, the Thummim and Urim. Looking at Manoah within our church, we have been studying our relationship with the person that is clothed into the authority of a father from God that carries responsibility for us before God within the body of Christ. Looking at Samson's mother within the temple of our body, we have been studying our membership to the body of Christ, which is the church of Christ, the great Jerusalem. And so he... And so, the church is a mother for those that are free from sin. And so, the previous Jer Jerusalem is in slavery, but the great Jerusalem is a mother to all of us. The Israelite land that is being governed by the Philistines is our mortal body that is redeemed by God and about which God had said that He cares for it and His eyes are always on it from the, from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. The Israelites within the temple of our body are prayer words that are concealed within our heart in the format of the faith of God giving us the ability to fulfill the calling to be a light so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. And out of our body, the Israelites, these are people in the church, is our belonging to the wife, the bride of the lamb, that is the chosen by God remnant that are clothed into the virtue of warriors in prayer. We note that for God to save Israel from the uncircumcised Philistines, God did not search for a specific group of people that were united and dedicated to God. God searched for one person, specifically appointed by Him before the creation of the world that would be able to stand in the breached in the breach that would be able to allow the Holy Spirit to clothe him with the authority of a father from God so that he can perform the given nature of sanctification through this person for which he had allocated 40 years. This is symbolic. As soon as a person sanctifies himself, we're talking about a total sanctification for total dedication, God will immediately speak to his heart and gives him, will give him the promise that belongs to the door of his hope. This is a nature of sanctification that is called to prepare us to meet with the Lord in the air by destroying the stronghold of death within our earthly bodies so that he, we can erect the stronghold of life in its place. And we are called to complete such a destruction of the stronghold of death within our mortal body by growing the fruit of righteousness within our heart that is Methuselah who drives away death. This is the meaning of the name Methuselah. When Enoch had bore him, 
he began to walk before God. He drove away death, and his body became completely different. And so that's why God took him alive. He did not die. Not one of the people before Enoch uh, bore such a fruit, uh, bore fruit to drive away death, but he bore Methuselah who drove away death. <clears throat> it is this nature of sanctification that is the price which provides the Holy Spirit with the proper foundation to lead us into our inherited lot that is in the name of God, Rock of Israel. Considering this fact, we conclude that if the nature of our sanctification will not produce the fruit of holiness in the form of the grown by us Methuselah that drives away death, then our sanctification will lose the right to be called or to be sanctification, as it is only by the means of our new person that represents Samson. The Holy Spirit achieved sanctification between Zorah and Eshtol by subverting the stronghold of death within our body. He led Samson to Timnah, which belonged to the tribe of Judah, that the uncircumcised Philistines took control of by war. Judah needed to rule the lion from the tribe of Judah. Why he led him there? Because this is referring to the mind of man. But this mind is under the control of uncircumcised Philistines. And it needs to become free. Timna needs to become free. So that by the renewed mind, the free mind, without the inspiration of, of uh, either ideas or desires, you can clothe yourself into your new person. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all of my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. Everything that Samson does, he does, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he never answers before anyone else. He receives a revelation from God and he goes and does it. And that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel before seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines living out of our body that are the unclean and lawless men that perform division between God and his nation it is necessary to deal with the Philistines that live within our body which are our unclean thoughts and our unclean inspirations that are being prompted by our old person on the way of Timnah coming to the vineyards of Timnah a young roaring lion came out to Samson and the Spirit of God came upon Samson and he tore the lion apart like he would a young goat. The young lion that roaring went out to Samson symbolizes governing sin within our body. This is our old person whom Samson, as our new person, tore apart like he would a young goat. The vineyard of Timnah symbolizes the law that discovers sin and gives power to sin. So the old man, using the law which gives power to sin, as this young roaring lion, rules over the sons of Israel. As it is written, the strength of sin is the law, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. This is what the old man uh, trusts in. He receives power when uh, 
When he discovers sin and gives power to sin, we note that in nature the male lion does not roar without reason. By roaring, they pronounce their rights to possess their territory, and in the given situation, to the right to possess our body, which is called to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and a house of the Most High. Therefore, when Apostle Peter spoke about our adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, he meant that by roaring, the devil pronounces his rights over us. To tear apart the roaring lion as you would a young goat means to become free of the power of governing sin within our body so we become slaves of righteousness and receive the ability to bear fruits of holiness to God, which is called to be the price giving us the power to the right to enter our lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. And so, in what way was he able to tear apart this lion as a young goat? When we, by the law, in Jesus Christ, die for the law, in this way, we destroy the old person because we take him and we submerge him into death we destroy him and then we rise again in the new tablets of the covenant and then the old person this roaring lion can't do anything anymore because it is a carcass being inspired by the Holy Spirit, a few days have gone by when Samson went back to take his betrothed bride and went aside to see the carcass of the lion and there he saw a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass. After a few days, and I think any beekeeper knows, it's not possible that in a few days bees will inhabitate a place and produce honey and have honeycombs. You need a lot of honey you need a, and you need time in order to make uh, the honeycomb and they're filled with honey and it's in this carcass of the lion which is not a natural event, this is supernatural. We note that the dwelling place for the swarm of bees within the carcass of a lion represents within our body the fact that we have become dead to sin, which provides God with the basis he needs to erect the stronghold of life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body. Second, a colony of bees within the carcass of a lion is such a testimony within our body which is called to be for us a guarantee of our rapture to meet the Lord in the air. For we are studying this lion in ourselves, and when we kill him, we kill him in ourselves. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed, the one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where Lord. So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Luke 17, 33-37. And so, the smell of the carcass, and so the angels of God will know exactly who to come to 
uh, to accompany you. It's not that they will have to carry you. You'll have the ability to fly as the angels do when that time comes. When Christ comes, you will receive the ability. They will just accompany you. As a, as these will be very special angels that will accompany the bride of the Lamb to the broom, to the groom, to meet the groom upon the clouds. Tearing apart the young roaring lion as he would a small goat within the boundaries of the vineyard of Timnah, Samson received the ability to confront the Philistines that inhabited Timnah, who were supported by the power of governing sin, that is the old person, they were subverted as a young roaring as that young roaring lion. The symbol of the Philistine woman that lived in Timnah, whom Samson married, implies the symbol of our emotional sphere our emotional sphere of our soul who because governing sin within our body as the roaring lion has been torn apart as a young goat temporarily has moved under the control of our sacred person temporarily because when God uh, commanded when he created man he didn't mean that the spirit of God would rule the emotional aspect of the soul. He meant that for the mind to be able to control the emotional aspect or emotional sphere of our soul, and the spirit will control the mind. But as the mind is not yet renewed, then temporarily he takes her as wife. He takes control of his emotions, so he not live by emotions, but by faith. And so people who live with their emotions they say I feel the Lord has abandoned me I feel he he's not here I feel he's not close it, it says that their emotions are under the control of unclean Philistines the old person and so they govern over these uh, emo- our emotions but when the young roaring lion is destroyed he's torn apart inside this governing sin then the feelings become free of this governing sin and they no longer depend, they no longer need to feel uh, anything when it comes to God. They'll just know and follow. Feelings have to follow as a very disciplined, a good horse that follows his master around. And so, in accordance to the implemented by God order, control over the sphere of our emotions is called to belong to our mind that has been renewed by the spirit of our mind. As a result of this fact, the reasonable aspect of our soul, who is the father of the Philistine woman, has lost its power over our body, giving way to the power of the Thummim and Urim that abides within our sacred person, who is Samson. And so when Samson took her, then the power of the father or had, uh, he lost that power. And so, this is symbolic here of the uncircumcised mind. He stopped having control over her because she had been moved over under the control of the new person. But now, this mind you still need to work with them, you need to clothe them, you need to justify them. So his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Judges 14, 10, 11. They chose 30 companions that were in accordance to his status and accordance 
in accordance to his position. As he was a prince of Israel, they selected 30 uh, Philistine princes. And they weren't just simple men. They were those that would be in accordance to his status. First, the wedding feast was paid with Samson's money, and the organizer of this wedding feast was Samson. And so what comes from our spirit, we receive in our spirit of revelation, and the spirit then feeds our mind, and the mind feeds our body. This is the wedding feast. When we hear the word of God, then it goes into our spirit, and this is Samson, our spirit. He is in control of this feast, this wedding feast. The wedding feast is when we receive the adoption, the promise about the adoption of our body that will be the guarantee of our rapture. Second, not just anyone from Timna who desired to go was able to attend this wedding feast, but only those who were invited to attend, and additionally those who were in the family of the fathers or those whom they knew maybe more personally. By the law of that time, Each one that was invited was given wedding clothes. They were given specific clothing. Today they give an invitation, but then they gave wedding clothes. And people, uh, someone would stand at the front and allowed entry to those who had on this wedding clothes. Uh, He knew that uh, this wedding clothes had specific uh, symbols or signs of whomever had invited them. Third, the wedding feast happened in Timnah, in the land of the tribe of Judah that is under the control of the Philistines. Here we see that it happened in the mind of man, in Timnah. And so God made it there so that our mind would be renewed, be nourished by the word. Fourth, the meaning of the wedding feast is a specific form of victory in the fight against the uncircumcised Philistines as he takes her for for himself as wife. Philistines, which are our carnal thoughts and desires, saw a royal lineage in Samson, and so they chose for him 30 wedding companions that would be with him or would be according to his rank and his status. The number 30 is a symbol of priesthood. As according to the implemented by God law, a person whom comes from the line of Levi and the family of Aaron would be able to join the priesthood when he is 30 years old. Therefore, the symbol of 30 wedding wedding companions that can be in accordance to the requirement of his royal status, we began studying the reasonable abilities of our soul that we are called to save with the justification of Christ so that we can collaborate with her, with our soul, to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. We need to save these 30 uh, wedding companions. And so our mind, we need to save them. These are these 30 companions. The strategy of our new person that is called to save with the justification of Christ, the reasonable abilities of our soul. And so if you know that, as you already know, that Samson gave them a riddle to solve, and he offered 30 linen garments, sindons is what they're called, and 30 changes of clothing. And the Holy Spirit pursued the goal to confirm or to establish a status of it as a king and a priest that he already had over the reasonable and emotional abilities of our soul. I will remind us that sindon is a fine fabric as an undergarment made of linen that priests were required to wear when they were entering the temple of 
uh, to serve God. They couldn't, could not wear it uh, in their every day at home, but only when they entered into the temple to serve God. Such garments were highly valued, not just in Israel, but in the entire ancient world. A simple person in Israel as well as amongst the Philistines did not have undergarments like these. If you remember that they had taken uh, one of the young men, which was John, and if you remember, he left their clothing uh, with them and he ran away naked. And so the only thing they had is that one layer. And so these are poor people. Uh, they could not have. They did not have this undergarments, as it was too expensive for them. Such garments as these were only owned by nobles and wealthy individuals. Therefore, a simple person or a poor person only owned outer garments. Considering this, such garments amongst the sons of Israel was a property that was given as a pledge or surety that they would be required to return it before the setting of the sun. You shall, in any case, return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down that he may sleep in his own garments and bless you and it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God Deuteronomy 24 13 garments that covers our nakedness and serving as protection from the heat and the cold is presented in scripture as symbol of justification that covers our sinful nakedness therefore to return a pledge that is his outer garment before the setting of the sun means to forgive his sin that has been committed against us following the example of how Christ has forgiven us However, when we are talking about a change of clothes, although, and so there's the 30 uh, sindons, which were the undergarments, but we the change of clothes was the outer garment. Although this outer garment, it needs to be a festive, uh, festive garment. And although it's an outer garment, it is not always necessary a change of clothing. It is uh, sometimes worn only during feasts or special occasions where people uh, treasured or kept these specific garments somewhere uh, for the time of feasts or they would give give you these kinds of clothing, these garments, when you meet a monarch. And so a simple person never had these things, and only those that uh, were leaders within Israel or Philistine owned them. Then Pharaoh went, sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh, Genesis 41, 14. And so change of his clothing, he couldn't go in the clothing, that everyday clothing that he was wearing <clears throat> in the prison. He needed new garments. New garments are the new person when you're clothing yourself into your new person. And so the change of garment is to remove the old garment and put on the new garment so that we can meet with the Lord. The symbol of clothing into such change of clothes is the symbol of clothing our body into our new person, the carrier and representative of the resurrection of Christ. The riddle of Samson that he posed to the 30 wedding companions that were with him all seven days of the wedding feast consisted in saving their soul in the format of its reasonable abilities. Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. The eater is the lion, 
that as our old person is relying upon the strength of the vineyards of Timnah, which represents the law that reveals sin and gives power to sin and has power over our body. However, this lion, as our old person that eats our flesh, has become food himself, for our sacred person, which is honey, that is produced by the swarm of bees within its carcass, which is confirmed by the next phrase, out of the strong came something sweet. And when on the seventh day the citizens of Timnah told Samson to explain the essence of the riddle, that in essence is a parable, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion. The looking at the essence of this response, we need to understand one eternal truth that is to tear apart a lion who is our old person as you would uh, tear up a goat is necessary for us to submerge with the baptism into the death of Jesus Christ together with the old person that lives within our body. It is specifically in the work of baptism presenting the power of the blood of the cross of Christ, the eater as the lion representing the symbol of our old person becomes food himself as honey representing the grace of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. The word of Samson, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle, is interpreted like this, if you would not have taken control of my wife, then you would not have solved the riddle. Mine took control over the uh, emotions and guessed the riddle. This unique act done by the citizens of Timnah gave the Holy Spirit the proper grounds to lead Samson to Ashkelon. As it is written, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed thirty of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. He clothed them into justification. And so now he will be able to work, collaborate with his mind to be able to take control of his body and lead his emotions, his feelings, to fulfill God's will. Ashkelon is one of the five main Philistine cities. Considering that Samson, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, killed 30 people in Ashkelon and took their apparel and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle, we conclude that these were not simple men but leaders of the Philistine armies. This is another glory symbol of the promise that abides within our heart in the form of the 30 sindons or undergarments and 30 changes of clothes into which our sacred person is called to address our soul in the format of her reasonable abilities into justification that by the means of her reasonable abilities to save your body also because you can't save your body directly until the mind is justified renewed by the spirit of our mind only a mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind is able to save our our body the wife of samson that was given in marriage to one of the 30 wedding companions was placed under rule of the reasonable abilities of our soul that we have renewed by the spirit of our mind clothing her into linen garments and a change of new clothes after a couple of days at the time of the harvest of the wheat Samson came to see his wife and brought a young goat with him the young goat that Samson brought for his Philistine wife is the symbol of the gift and so from the word Philist, Philistia it came, came the word Palestine because the Philistines lived there and so the land of the Philistine was Palestine. The Philistines were from the Canaanites. They came from Canaan. And so the land either was called Canaanite or Canaan or Philistine. But when it was taken 
over, it stopped being called Palestine and became the land of Israel. The very same land, the same body. And so Philistines controlled them and now they no longer control her. When the new person controls her, she is no longer called Palestine or the Canaanite land. It is called the land of Israel. And so the young goat that Samson brought for his Philistine wife is the symbol of the gift of the all-forgiving grace of God that is given to our soul upon the condition of the covenant that is made with God. The symbolically, the harvest of the wheat at the time when Samson brought the young goat for his Philistine wife is a special form of sanctification that is presented in a specific time frame that is at the door of the week of Daniel that for the chosen by God remnant will be a sign of the coming end of the age. And so this will happen at the door of uh, the week of Daniel, because the week will start when our body is clothed into the new person. The first day of the week, all of us who have received in themselves the promise of the adoption of his body that has kept it, has grown it, this promise, and lived in this wilderness of sanctification, everyone in that day will be clothed into their new person. And three and a half years after that, or during these three and a half years following that, they will be on earth, will perform great miracles and signs that nobody has ever seen, and the first church had never, ever seen what the church will do in the last days, because the first church was not clothed into its new person. There was a lot of chaos. If you read what had happened there, when they just began, they had jealous, they had all kinds of conflicts and, and offenses, why one has more, one has less, and so forth, a lot of different problems. And they constantly needed to reconcile people and fix things. And so when our mind, that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, takes control of our emotional sphere, Samson receives the right to take revenge against the Philistines for Timnah, which is our earthly body that is under the control of the Philistines. And so what did he do? He took 300 foxes, he tied them together, he put a torch between each of the of the <clears throat> tied up uh, tails, and if you imagine one person catching 300 fo foxes these are a like a, in the similar to dogs and so it's like catching 300 dogs and so he he tied them if you can imagine and he put a torch between them he lit the torches and they all ran and burned the fields with our mind it's hard to imagine but when you tell people of the world, they'll say, don't say such foolish, foolish things, it's not possible. But it is possible. Your prophets, O Israel, are like the foxes to the ruin. You don't stand in the breach for the, for the house of Israel. And so Christ said, I can't, you can't be my disciple because you have holes for foxes. You believe these so-called prophetic vessels than my own pro prophecies that are the truth. You can't be my disciple, that's what he, he told them. The symbol of the 300 foxes with which Samson burned the shacks 
The standing grain, vineyards, and olive groves symbolizes the destruction of false strongholds that we rely upon so we can give God the proper foundation to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. This is a symbol of false strongholds. We all were born into, into churches or elsewhere that things, uh, uh, there were unusual things in churches and we looked at them and valued them more than the truth, than the word of God. God said, and so oftentimes people have these prophets and they say, what, what the Lord is telling me, what the Lord is revealing. And so people believe this and follow this, but these are false strongholds and these need to be destroyed in the mind of man. The Philistines' response to Samson's burning of the shocks, standing grain, vineyards, and olive groves was that they went and burned with fire his former wife and her father. And then Samson broke their hips and thighs and then went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock Edom. This is a surprising in its character battle in order to possess our soul and our body. This battle is between our new person and our Philistines that represent within our body the teaching of false teachers and false prophets that present themselves as true apostles that we often uh, select or choose uh, by voting for them. False teachers that we have selected for ourselves by voting for them so that they can deceive us are in they are sim symbolic of these foxes that have ho we have holes for within our heart, which then does not allow Christ to lie his head down within our heart. In order to deprive Jacob of the ability to trust upon the reasonable, willful, reasonable and willful qualities of his soul, God uh, touched his hip and he began to limp. As a result, the only trust that Jacob had left was the stronghold in the cleft of the rock Edom, this symbolically, of course. Because Samson had broken the hips and thighs of the Philistines that live within the boundary of Timnah, Philistines went and encamped in Judah. Now the Philistines went up and encamped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? If you, We need to remember that Lehi, the word, is jawbone. That's how this place was called, as Jabon. So they answered, we have come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. But they said to him, We have come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hands of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him, saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hands, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Judges 15, 9-13 Lehi is the name of one of the bordering villages belonging to the tribe of Judah that is located close to the cleft of the rock Edom and the name Lehi means jawbone. Therefore, the concerned citizens of Judah seeing the army camp of the Philistines that has come against them and in number the army is reaching all the way to the border of the village Lehi asked them why have you come up against us? The Philistines responded, saying, We have come to arrest Samson, to do to him as he has done to us. We need to pay attention to the goal that the Philistines pursued. This is in their words. We have come up to arrest Samson. 
to do to him as he has done to us. We can conclude that by Samson breaking the hips and thighs of the of some of the Philistines, he deprived them of hope upon their own strength, and in this way he arrested them. Therefore, the Philistines had the goal of arresting Samson to deprive him of the ability to trust upon the strength that he had. And then 3,000 people from Judah went to the cleft of the rock Edom to arrest him and give him into the hands of the Philistines. These 3,000 Judeans represent the symbol of our mind that is anointed to rule over Israel, which is a symbol of our body. If you can remember, we already became familiar with a similar situation that had to do with David, the anointed by God king over Israel, a warrior in prayer, and his situation with Saul, a king also anointed by God over Israel who was not a warrior in prayer. Studying David, we learned that he symbolized our new person, the anointed king over our body, the symbol of Saul, with the chosen by him army, 3,000 men, a king also anointed by God over our body, we studied the reasonable abilities of our soul <coughs> and they pursued David. The symbol of Agag, king of the Amalekites, who Saul defended, is our old person who also wants control over our body. For Samuel 24, 1 through 6, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistine that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to see David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened after the day after that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. The symbol of 3,000 men that came from Judah to the cleft of the rock Edom in order to arrest Samson and give, give him into the hands of the Philistines is our uncircumcised mind as Saul that is anointed to rule over our body. Two new ropes with which the men of Judah bound Samson, taking the advice of Samson himself to deliver him into the hands of the Philistines and deprive him of the ability to hope and trust upon the power of his mind, symbolizing these 3,000 Judeans. The two ropes are a symbol of two immutable things that lead us behind the veil of the temple. These were new uh, ropes where the forerunner has entered for us. And so when he was bound with these two ropes, he became stronger. And so when we are bound with these two ropes, these are the two immutable things that lead us behind the veil of the temple where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, Hebrews 6, 18 through 20. 
the two new things that bring us behind the veil of the temple is the truth about the blood of Christ and the truth about the cross of Christ as the twelve unleavened breads upon the golden table of showbreads. <clears throat> These two things truly bind our trust upon our reasonable abilities in order to give us a foundation and opportunity to obtain a fresh jawbone of a donkey for the confrontation and victory over the Philistines. And so these two new ropes bind us so that we can, so we not trust upon our mind or the abilities of our mind, so that we can trust upon God. Judges 15, 5 through, uh, 14 through 17. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And so they're leading them. If you can imagine, these 3,000 people, these Judeans, are leading Samson, this mind. <clears throat> and so the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramathlehi. And so the place of the jawbone, he, he named it. Although a donkey is an unclean animal, it was able to be used for riding and for carrying heavy items. Donkey is a symbol of our body that in the state of corruption cannot inherit the kingdom of God. However, is the carrier of the interests of the will of God and carrier of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In scripture, the symbol of the donkey in the form of our body that is redeemed by the blood of the cross of Christ is a symbol of peace between God and man. Jesus came in upon such a donkey into Jerusalem that no one had ridden upon. No one had ever ridden upon that donkey. He showed that he is the master and lord of our body, which is why he came in on a donkey. From this we conclude that the symbol of the fresh jawbone of a donkey that Samson used to kill within his body, 1,000 Philistines representing the uncircumcised thoughts and desires of the flesh, is the quality of our gentle tongue, one of the members of our body that is presented to God a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for good service. Jawbone is a symbol of our tongue because in this place is our tongue. He took this jawbone and killed and this was the jawbone of a donkey that was already killed. He was dead. This was a fresh uh, jawbone that he found. Beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1, 2. And so a transformed mind uh, uses the mouth, this jawbone. Counting yourself dead to sin in the death of the Lord Jesus and living to God in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and proclaiming the not existing stronghold of life within your body as existing, our mouth becomes capable of confessing the faith of God that abides within our heart and in this way becomes the all armor of God in the form of a fresh jawbone of a donkey. From this we can conclude that the symbol of a fresh jawbone of a donkey is the result as we have 
come alive from death, we have presented the members of our body as a tool for God, as a tool of righteousness. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Romans 6, 11-13 This is why the symbol of the fresh jawbone of a donkey within our hands is our ability to confess the faith of God that abides within our heart, proclaiming the not-existent as existent. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made your father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those which do not exist as though they did. Romans 4, 14 through 17. Then Samson killed, when Samson killed a thousand men with the fresh jawbone of a donkey, he with the confessions of his mouth confirmed victory over the Philistines. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Rameth Lehi. Rameth Lehi is translated as the heights of the jawbone. With these words, Samson indicated the significance of the heights of confession that possesses legitimacy when the members of our body are given as slaves of righteousness by the way of presenting our body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for our good service. When our members, or if our members are not given as slaves of righteousness, then our confessions will not mean anything. They will not mean anything. These heights of the jawbone, he had torn apart the young lion and he took the jawbone of a donkey. This is a symbol again of death. He showed that I died to sin and I live for righteousness. When Samson threw the fresh jawbone of the donkey that he just used to kill a thousand men, and in doing so confirmed his right to be a warrior in prayer, he felt a strong death-like thirst. Then he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank. Lehi, this jawbone, and water came out, and he drank. When you receive this water, then it shall be the water of life from your mouth. And, and so that place where he he threw the jawbone, that's the place. From there, water came out and he drank. And his spirit returned and he revived. And so this word, he revived, he resurrected, technically. He destroyed with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we, with the death of, G, of, the, of the Lord Jesus, die by the law, for the law to be uh, resurrected from the dead, you need to drink this water. Therefore, he called its name En-Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Judges 15, 18 through 20. 
The reason for the strong thirst of Samson was that by throwing the fresh jawbone of a donkey on the ground that he fought with so his body can be adopted by the redemption of Christ in his resurrection symbolized the death of the Lord Jesus in his mortal body. If the strong thirst that testified about the absence of the resurrection of Christ within the body of Samson is not quenched by God, then the battle for the or with the Philistines for the right to possess his body would have been lost. Although he overcame, he said, but now I will die from thirst, and they will come, these uncircumcised Philistines, and I will fall into their hands. This can be clearly seen from the following words of Samson, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of the thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. We conclude that the final goal of our new person in our battle with the Philistines for our body is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ in the resurrection of Christ. Just as in the time when Samson tore apart the coming at him young roaring lion as he would a goat and in result of this victory over the roaring lion representing within our body the power of death that is the old person we see demonstrated the resurrection of Christ in the hive of bees that produced honey in the carcass of the lion. Just the same when the fresh jawbone of the donkey was thrown to the ground, the water of life flowed, representing the stronghold of life within our body in the place of the stronghold of death. So God split the hallowed place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, he called its name En-Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day, which is the wellspring of the caller. The phrase, he drank and his spirit returned and he revived, speaks of when the new person quenches his thirst with the water of life, then his this means that he, by faith, received the promise of resurrection for his mortal body. And then God gave him the ability to return to his body and clothe his body into the resurrection of Christ. It's interesting, the verb split, he split the... He split the hallow place, it says. And so he will do this in our body. The verb split, he split the hallow place, means to divide, chop in half, separate, break through, to break through to something, dig out, take the city by force, possess the city by force. The word lehi, another meaning of lehi, is to walk past, to jump over, leave alive, which corresponds to the meaning of the word Pesach. When the angel of death that was sent from God to strike all the firstborn in Egypt from man to beast, he passed by the houses of the Israelites who had the blood of the lamb Pesach upon the doorposts of their houses, he left their firstborn alive. And so in the original it says when he came over to these houses, he jumped over them. He didn't just pass by, he uh, jumped over that house and left those alive that were inside. Therefore, the fresh jawbone of a donkey that Samson, as the new person, fought for 
his right to the power over his body indicates the significance of confession with your mouth, the faith of your heart, in justification by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Matthew 12, 36-37, But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In the given situation, our new person in the symbol of Samson spoke with his mouth the faith of God that is within his entrails. And so by this jawbone, that's where the water came, with which he justified himself before God, and in this way gave God the proper foundation to demonstrate the victory of life upon that place that previously contained the victory of death. And the most important thing that we need to pay attention to is that his state of great thirst gave God the proper foundation to open up the hole in Lehi upon the place of, of the throne jawbone of a donkey. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 7, 37, 38. Great thirst always comes with temporarily su- temporary suffering that are not in comparison to the great glory that will be opened up in our mortal body. And so, destroying forever memory about death and about suffering. For I consider that the suffering sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. And so, these creations that it's referring to here is not something abstract like trees or people. It's uh, the creation it's referring to here are the angels of God. For the earnest expectation of the angels eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. And so, when an angel becomes a servant of a of a mortal body, he waits until our body becomes immortal because it's very difficult to serve uh, when immortality serves mortality it's very difficult when life serves death uh, corruption when when it's a, a unpleasant odor when it's something that is uh, un, unaccepting and the angels have to serve they are subject and they not by their own will but the one that had uh, subjected them and they with hope await for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the Son of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption angels will the angels that protect the saints they have become slaves of corruption now too being immortal themselves and they uh, yearn in themselves, groan in labor. Delivering, uh, delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. All angels that serve man, they all together uh, groan and labor still with birth pangs. And not just them, 
Not only that, that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the, the redemption of our body. God made us rulers over His creation. And so we, as it says here, we also grown together with them. Romans 8, 18 through 23. And so when we have in ourselves immortality and corruption that we have received, we have received the uh, incorruption, but the body continues to stay corrupted. We need to serve this body, and we in ourselves groan, waiting for the adoption of our body. When you groan in yourself this promise, the promise of the stronghold of eternal life, the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ, you will experience uh, groaning and you will you will be waiting for this uh, to happen and yearning. You, you will suffer. Uh, this is prayer. This is constant proclamation. Uh, Lord, when will this happen? When will this happen? Until what time will I be serving this corruption? When will my, uh, how long will my body be serving corruption? Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I look at my body, your body, that have received the promise. We need to look at it as the temple of the Holy Spirit, incorruptible, glorious, and this suffering, when you think of one and you speak of it, but actually you see everything opposite in your body, instead of something uh, having being better, it seems to be getting worse and worse. And the angels that serve us, we don't see them, but they serve us. They constantly protect our body. They protect our possessions. They sometimes allow that we lose something. They can make it that we lose absolutely nothing and what is lost to come and bring it and put on your table. And they do this, but you don't notice it. And you say, I've lost this. And then you look around again and it's just right there on the table laying the entire time. And heaven will find out about all those moments. But it, right now, even if we lose something and the angels don't bring it back, then God wants to show us something and opens doors to something better. This is always a door to something better. This is some kind of experience. Never be sorrowful about things that happen. Work to overcome. If you can't be freed from something that continues to, you you sensed it, is binding you, learn to overcome. It will be a great glory when God will uh, reward us for what we overcame. Sometimes people come to me and say, pray for me. I'll say, I pray, I'll pray for you, but overcome this with dignity and don't rebel. Thank God that inside of yourself you have the promise that you don't need to be afraid, not of illnesses, not of death. We uh, don't be afraid of any illnesses, do not be afraid of anything. But of course, be vigilant and in- intelligent. Uh, when I say don't be afraid of illnesses, doesn't mean don't take medicine. If there's a supernatural thing that occurs and you 
in the name of Jesus Christ, you will be healed. And this is the first word of God, and it heals you. But the second is when you go to a doctor, they pre- prescribe you a medicine, and they say, take this for this this amount for this many days. This is the second word of God. Any medicine, any medicine, any vaccine, this is the second word of God. Any food is the second word of God. Clothing that you wear, a car that you drive, a bicycle, a house that you live in, the furniture you may have. This is the second word of God because it was all made from the first word of God. God said, may the earth produce trees and all kinds of, and from these trees, from this wood and other other products, we decorate our houses and we build things with, with all that God has made, stones that God created. You build a, a masonry, uh, there are entire mountains that are made of a marble and when I was in Italy, I was uh, very surprised. There literally are mountains and they're Op- they're literally opened uh, marble, and they uh, slice it with specific uh, machines, with specific tools, and we use all of these products, clay, uh, and you you make uh, bricks. We make all of this from what? From the Word of God. And so when you see this miracle of God that God had allowed us that second word of God to use it and those who are uh, pretty much dreamy by nature and that the reason that happens is because they don't have a person that would be able to speak to them the God's word. They follow after various voices and listen to whom, whatever they want to hear and they always have fear. What will happen? What will happen if you receive the second word of God? What will happen? When you receive it as the second word of God, you understand what will be. You don't receive it in with fear. You say, thank you, Lord, for that second word of God. It's a secondary word of God. And when you say, oh, no, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, of course it's not going to work because you don't receive it as that secondary word that God gives. You don't see God's wisdom in that. God created the heavens and the earth, and from this earth, He created us together, and He gave us the ability from this earth to eat, to be clothed, to be well, to build homes, technology, and everything else. May the Lord bless you with His mercy. As with the first word that you just heard, and the second, use the one and the other with wisdom that God gives you. Let us bend our knees and who can't maybe their heads and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you again and again for the great opportunity and grace that I can stand upon this place with your nation that you have appointed this place to worship you you appointed this place so that here we can receive your revelations that first word of God that we according to your wisdom can see and by faith receive that secondary word as well by which you will work in miraculous ways for us May your mercy be a blessing for your people. May their hearts and their minds be blessed. 
made they see within their mouth this thrown jawbone with which they've killed how many Philistines with their confessions they have succeeded much allowed them that by their confessions living water may flow that this living water can clothe them into the healing power into fearlessness the whole world is in fear because of wars, illnesses, starvation but we thank you that we're delivered from these fears we know you will take care of us during any famine and you'll protect us if there are any revolutions or wars may the greatness of your word, your name be lifted up in us our great God, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen before we proclaim our unchanging manifestation I want to show you something pay attention to the song we just sang we sang about the 12 gates that go to Jerusalem and you know this is a symbol of our mouth also we are that city as the church is a city and each person is a city and to enter into this city we can by using our mouth the Lord enters uh, by listening to what we say and so does Satan when we confess God's faith by these words God then enters and for you to see that your lips are not just they're also in the twelve pearly gates as well as the jawbone of the donkey and so now let's proclaim our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen